the Coffee Break with WeOS Creative, where we try to entertain, educate, and promote sound marketing practices. I'm Don Finerty here with Ty Thorngate. And today, our very special guest is Jenny, Jenny Favitt. Favitt. Hi, Jenny. How are you today? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm very well. Jenny, I understand that uh, you've had quite an exciting life in politics. Uh, most people, I think, who know you know you as a Belmont County Commissioner. You are a commissioner for eight years. Indeed. Allow me to thank you for those eight years. I think we all believed and still believe you served us very, very well. Um, but I also recently found out before you became a commissioner, you were a, a city council member for St. Clairsville for five years. Yes. What made you run for city council? What, why did you uh, decide to do that? Well, to be honest, it was always my plan. Um, I actually went to Ohio State University. Uh, my, my degree is in political science. Uh, wow. It was always my intention to be in politics. And I had the good fortune of being mentored by uh, Mayor Bob Vincenzo mm -hmm. for five years. And to be honest, had intended to work my way up and uh, run for mayor and then run for uh, commissioner. But Bob, um, very, very dear friend of mine, you know, decided he wanted to run another four years. And um, I can be a bit impatient sometimes, and I didn't want to wait another four years. So um, I kind of went out of line of my plan and went ahead and ran for commissioner that year instead. So I had run for uh, city council for my second term, had won, and then one year into it, decided to run for commissioner. So in five years, you ran for office three times then, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. All right. What, what did... What did Lee and your and your family say when you first told them, I'm thinking about I'm, I'm going to run for office? Lee being her husband. Right. Yeah. You know what? To be honest, it was always a, a family thing. It was always a family thing for us. He knew that. He knew that was my plan. He was very supportive. Um, you know, he is a beast at putting up signs. You know, no one can put up <laughs> signs like Lee Favid. Uh, when I ran the first time, Frankie, I think, my, he's now 20 years old, uh, sophomore at Wheeling Jesuit. He was three or four. Um, and was in a phase where he refused to take his Halloween costume off. And we went door to door in his Superman costume and a um, Viking hat because, you know, of course you need that. Right. Um, Cecilia was in elementary school. So my daughter has grown up with her mom always being involved in politics. So do you think it was the Viking hat or the Superman cape that, uh, that got you in office the first time? You know, to be honest, I, I have to I have to say that my children were always a part of everything I did. And I think that's what made me palatable to people because Absolutely. I was real. I was a mom. You know, I had to chase him down the street a couple of times, you know, or you couldn't find him. Um, but it made me real for people. And they identified with me. That's so cool. you, you worked with the mayor before you decided to run for. Yes. Um, planning commission. OK. Were there certain issues that you kind of took advantage of or felt like these, this is why I want to run. These are things that I want to try to fix in St. Clairsville. Um, I don't know that there were certain issues within St. Clairsville as much as there were just issues for me on a personal level. Uh, those people who know me already know the story. I'm the youngest out of 10. Uh, my mom had me when she was 45 years old. She started having them when she was 17 years old. She only went to eighth grade. Um, you know, in the in the 20s, most people didn't, you know, go on. Uh, they dropped out of school to take care of their families. Mom was from a big family. I'm one of three to graduate from high school um, and the only one to go to college. And some of that is luck. You know, some of that is hard work. Um, but it compelled me to always want to help others, you know, because I found my struggles and I didn't think that that was just good fortune given to me for my own purposes. You know, right. I knew things and I understand, you know, I was raised by a single mom. I understood, you know, certain things and I thought that I could be of service to help other people. And that's what I thought politics was really about. Government now, did, was about that. Did you grow up in Belmont County? I understand. No. I understand you grew up on a farm. Where Where are you from? Germantown, Ohio. Germantown, Ohio. Yes. 
I met my husband at Ohio State. Wow. Was your farm a, a working farm? Uh, a living farm. Living farm? Yeah. What? Which is a working farm. Yes, I mean, you work yes. it every day. It, it just Absolutely. brings about the living. Nothing like a, a garden to get your lunch out of. <laughs> Absolutely. I saw recently there was a question out, um, should children learn to grow food? Should that be a part of their school curriculum? And my thought was, absolutely. If, if you don't know how to grow a tomato or lettuce, I mean, what a sad state. I take it you, uh, you pulled plenty of weeds Oh, absolutely. Up. As a matter of fact, in St. Clairsville, we actually created the community garden and, and sold plots for people to grow uh, produce Did you do on. that as city council? Did you do that as commissioner? Or did you just it, do that on your own or part of? It was a city project, yes. City project. Yes. So you, you have your, I guess, issues. You knew where you wanted to go political-wise, mm -hmm. right? Now, I know from experience, when you run for office the first time, you're running on like hopes and dreams, mm -hmm. things you think you can change. Did your, I don't want to use the word agenda, but did your platform or agenda kind of change from the time you ran until you were in office to see like how government really works and what you're capable of? No, no. And I still, I don't think it still has changed. Um, you know, my commitment was always that government was for the people, by the people, of the people. I always say I'm old school. You know, I believe in that. I believe in a two-party system. You know, I believe that you work with the other side. I believe in being nonpartisan a lot of times because you have to do what's best for the people. Uh, I wanted to help people. I wanted to grow my community. I wanted to help people individually. You know, there are a lot of people just within uh, the community that struggle only because they don't know or they don't know who to go to. Right. You know, grow the community, grow the population, provide jobs. None of that ever changed for me. It was always what I believed in, always what I worked towards. What would you say your biggest win was on city council? Mm, city council, you know, we actually worked really hard on a revitalization program. I mean, I think most of you who are from the area remember St. Clairsville before the 80s. And, you know, we did a complete rehab of all the downtown uh, buildings. And then we did a revitalization program and we started the farmer's market. And, you know, we really built the community. And from that, it catapulted into um, the city of St. Clairsville actually being named the most beautiful community in the country for its population uh, size from a contest known as America in Bloom. And that and happened under your tenure? Yes. Yes. Wow. You know, St. Clairsville is great. You go there and you have all the cafes, you have all these stores open. I realize the courthouse is, is right there and that mm -hmm. certainly is a big draw. But it is one of the most beautiful communities to this day. Mm -hmm. You know, um, our listeners may not be aware of this. I'm sure you are. But Ty Thorngate also is a member of council. He represents Fifth Ward for the city of Wheeling. So he ran. I don't know if he's going to be successful in his next run, uh, but I certainly hope so. And Ty, did you run on similar reasons or did you? Uh... No, absolutely. So I, uh, and Ginny knows this, but I come from a family of like first responders. My dad was assistant chief of the fire department. My brother was a lieutenant with the police department. I went to school for marketing. So obviously my back, background's a little different. Um, same with you. I wanted, I wanted to help people and I wanted to do what I can to give, to give back to the community. Uh, so I felt like what better way to do that than to throw my name out there and run for city council. Jenny, I'm wondering when you ran for, for office the first time, um, I think perhaps even more so than my name, uh, your last name is butchered like on a constant basis. So I've heard you referred to as Jenny Favidi. That's probably one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, you do. You, you married into a very well-known family in this community. I mean, your your father-in-law and your husband have had a very successful business for uh, forever, it seems. Did the name help you? Did it uh, harm you? What, oh, what do you absolutely think? helped me. You yeah. know, I mean, I come from a, a well-known family, but a highly respected family. Uh, and I think that that was probably helped me the most with the uh, Belmont County Commissioner run, you know. Because oh, I'm about to tell everybody what helped yeah. you most with that run. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the riverfront, you know, and had been, you know, my father-in-law is originally from Tiltonsville and has been in practice there in Bridgeport for 50 years. 
but I have to share the truth of it is, is after all these years, most people think that I'm the daughter and that my husband is the son-in-law. Uh-huh. Yes. And he always asks me, why don't you correct people? And I always say, that's your problem, not my problem. <laughs> I don't know um, that it's a problem. Yes, it's just, so, it's just certainly out there. Yeah, lovely family. And I, and I'm blessed, you know, so, but I think that it's, you know, it's just one of those things, your name gets butchered and you just kind of deal with it. Yeah. So. Trust me, I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it but David Bloomquist always calls me Fiviti, if you Fiviti. don't know that. <laughs> beautiful, yes. Beautiful. What would you say one of your personal highlights on uh, city council would be? I know you have a couple personal highlights from your years as a commissioner. Um, city council, what, what really stands out as I was proud of that? Uh, I think that when you asked me, the first thing that popped into my mind was when the Belmont County Fair moved out of the, the city limits. They That's had right, been I at, to be by yeah, high school. And they were actually, um, if you recall, the St. Clairsville High School didn't actually have a track because it was used for the, the crash up derby for mm-hmm. the fair. And the fair utilized that program, that all of that property. So they moved out and the, the, the deed reverted back to the city. Uh, so we worked and actually provided that uh, the football field to the St. Clairsville High School for oh, a 50 wow. year lease for a dollar. And they have a wonderful uh, field there now. Yeah, and they have a beautiful nice. all weather track. They've been able to you know utilize it for OVACs for, for track, uh, uh, championships as well as soccer. And then we were able to make some moves with property that enabled the school system to actually gain property and they'll be able to build on that. And, and that's important to me because you know your education system is very important to your community. Absolutely. And it's also very important to economic development because when companies are looking to that's relocate, they're, they're look looking at. at the school. So that, that pops into my mind. I've always been very fond of Walt Skaggs and what he has done with his mm-hmm. school system there. So. You alluded to uh, your impatience being part of what caused you to run for uh, commission when you did, but you were going to run any anyhow. It's just it was a matter of time. Um, you may have an idea what what got you elected is your your first term, but I spent my life as a photographer, and I can remember voting for you and rallying behind you because you did something no one else did. You put your image like from the waist up on signs. Your signs were bigger than anybody else's sign. Though you had a well-known name, you put your image out there when everybody else was probably saying, don't even let them know you're a woman. Just put your name out there. Let them think it's your husband. Just run. You put your image out there. Your photo alone was bigger than anybody else's signs. And I remember my wife and I saying, we're going to vote for that woman. We didn't know you. We were just so impressed with your entire campaign. And as a photographer, I thought that's someone who understands how to use the media to their advantage. Do you think that image helped you? Absolutely. And and I have to be honest, it was exactly what you said, because um, even after eight years out of 260 some county commissioners for the state of Ohio, because there are 88 counties and two of them have executive boards and the others have three commissioners, there were only 34 women commissioners in the entire state of Ohio. Wow, really? And when I ran, that was an issue. And, you know, I decided I was going to own it. And I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I was a woman and knew that it wasn't my husband or my father-in-law that was running. And so the photos went up and they went up everywhere. Um, and, you know, it really helped because in the flip side of it, people knew me. Right. And they felt comfortable with me because they felt like they knew me. And that's the I, beauty of I definitely of felt media. comfortable with you just because I, I felt as though I knew you and all I'd seen was your photo. Do you think being female um, changed the dynamics for Belmont County? Uh, I mean, Is it, were you one of the first? 
the yeah, first were you the first commercial? female? Yes. No, Anita Wiley. I, Anita I Wiley, forgive me. Anita Wiley was mm-hmm. briefly, but I was the first elected from um, the general election. She was appointed. Uh, okay. yeah. But Anita and I are actually friends. And was that a natural progression for you? For stepping from city council going to county commission? I think so. You know, I'm a big fan of moving up in government because I think that you learn as you go along. And and it's tough because there aren't any classes and you don't get any formal training. And when you go from zero to 100, you've never been elected and you're a congressperson and you're making laws that affect, you know, municipal government or affecting, you know, state government. And and they don't really realize that because they didn't work their way up. I was always a Bob Nay fan because Bob regardless of political affiliation, yes. Bob worked his way up. And Bob was wonderful in his ability to disseminate and put money back down because he understood. He'd been there. Yeah. And that's why I, I felt that doing it that way was the right way to do it. I'm going to ask you a question that I know the answer to. Uh, and I, I know that not only how, how you responded, but I also know how one of your fellow commissioners responded. What, what did you think when people reached out to you all the time? Did you did you take their calls? Did you listen to them? Did you take the time to meet with them? Or did you just wish they'd leave you alone? <laughs> I always took their calls. I always met with them. Um, my kids stopped going to the grocery store with me. Um, my husband walked wow. home from church once because when people wanted to talk to me, that was... They want to talk. There's they no want to talk. And, and that was part of it. Plus, I enjoyed it. You know, I love taking care of people. And it got to the point after eight years that people would say, call Jenny. She'll take care of you. There was a, a saying out there that you and one of your fellow commissioners had a sunset rule, which was never let the sun set without getting back to your constituents. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that or not, but I came to you with an issue that I had. You told me to reach out to my commissioner, and I was just amazed that the commissioner called me before the sunset mm-hmm. and had an answer for me. Jenny, you left the uh, the world of politics and you came into the private sector, and it was kind of an amazing thing. People really didn't expect that of you. Not only did you come into the private sector, you came into it as a person working for uh, nonprofits for two of them, two related companies, both 501c6s. Project Best, you are the co-chair along with Benji Swanson, and you are also the president and CEO of OVCC. What is OVCC? The Ohio Valley Construction Employers Council. It's a contractor's association. Contractor's association. Yes. So between the two, you represent the, the contractors exactly. uh, of the community, and you also represent the uh, the workforce. You do a, a lot of work for the, the trades in general. Is that correct? Yes. On behalf of Project Best, yes. I guess for people at home, kind of explain what both of those groups do or what they are or... Well, the Contractors Association, the OVCEC, is, is, as Don said, it's a 501c6, but similar to a, a Chamber of Commerce. We are a membership-based. I represent uh, my contractors, and doing that, we promote the con- construction industry. We have an office around the corner, and part of that, we have a plan room. And so if you understand construction, when you're looking to build something, you have to get a price for it, and you want it to be competitively bid so you get a good price for it. So they will have an architect who does plans. And those plans are submitted to my office. We have a plan room. And then we, in turn, send those plans out on a daily basis to all of our members. So this is an opportunity for you to acquire work by bidding on this. So they come into our office and they print them off. And then in order to to submit the bid, you know, they have to calculate that. So the more that we produce for them, you know, the more that they can, you know, potentially bid on and the more work they can get. Now, my, my contractors utilize the business model of union labor. So on behalf of my contractors, I negotiate all of the collective bargaining agreements for Mm -hmm. them. 
So I don't think people realize that this this entire community, indeed this entire country, mm -hmm. was built by construction uh, employers and by the trades. I mean, everything you see here, it, you you can't point to a single building that that exists without there having been a contractor. You I say recent projects. I mean, what? Oh, absolutely. What, what's out there in the community you guys have recently done that people might know of or see? Well, I think, you know, the one building, you know, um, all of our labor worked on the health plan, you know, which is the pinnacle of downtown. You know, uh, Brook, uh, Brook School, uh, Marshall County Schools, you know, we're currently working on Ohio County Schools. Every school in the Valley, I think Graycon has actually worked or built maybe mm -hmm. eight of the OVAC schools just in the Valley. Now, when you came into this, uh, these two organizations, it had been, uh, they'd both been run by, uh, the same group of people for the most part for 40 years. It was obviously a man's world. It was run by men, the organization. It was also primarily dealing with men. So you came into this as a woman. Um, I would say you came into this as a strong woman. I've said that to you before, and you've said you don't think of yourself as a strong woman. You just think of yourself as a person doing the job. What was it like coming into this as a woman? It, was it was it easy? Was it tough? Or did that really not factor into you? I don't think it factored in at all. And I, I recall us having that conversation. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I was raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. And I was raised to be competent and capable and be able to take period. care of myself, period. And it was never because you're a girl. You know, she just taught me to not ever depend on anyone and to be capable. And, you know, I always said that my mom taught me how to bake cookies and change my tires. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I am. And so I've never viewed myself that way. And, and I didn't raise my daughter that way. I raised her to be, you know, capable on her own and, and to be independent and to handle herself and not depend on anyone. What about in politics? Did you run into the glass ceiling or did you, you just never allow it to get in the way or how did that come into play for I, you? You know, to be honest, I just never really addressed it when it did come into play. I just kind of ignored it. Mm -hmm. I've always been very fortunate. I think strong-willed, strong-minded women just don't look at that. They just kind of go around it and keep mm -hmm. on going. Do what you do, do it well, and do it with a smile, be polite, you know, and, and, and know what you want to accomplish. And that's always been my goal. And, you know, when I came into this, this opportunity, you know, it was just one of those things. You take a look at it from a business aspect and, and you take a look at it politically and, you know, how can I grow this? You know, it's business. And I think to some extent, how you'll probably agree, you know, running the city and running a county is business. You still have to still operate business. on the right. budget, you know, 100%. and you have to you have to know those things. And I think you've proved yourself competent in both. And we talked about that, that natural progression where you wanted to run for city council, be mayor and the county commission. Mm -hmm. I think all of that helped her in terms of being prepared for this job, mm -hmm. because you had to be strong. I don't think about being a woman or a man, Absolutely. just getting the job done and doing it right and making people happy. The one thing that I question is that I think some men are put off by a strong woman. And if you are a strong woman, you said something about doing it with a smile. I think if we look back to like 2016 election, it's this, if you're a strong woman, you're a, a nasty woman, you're mean, or yeah. I mean, did pushy. that ever come into play? Bossy. Being pushy, bossy. I mean, did, did you ever get attacked that way or was that something that never got brought up in a conversation in government or on this side? Or was well, everybody afraid of you and not going to say any of that to you? I think that I would I would have to share that I had been called Nancy Pelosi, uh -huh. uh, you know, a couple times, you know. But other than that, I mean, I think most people think that I'm articulate, um, that I'm intelligent, capable, hardworking. And, you know, I do what I say, you know, and I think that was something for me as a county commissioner. And we've talked about this before. Uh, the Times leader actually had asked me in my first year as the Belmont County Commissioner to pen on a monthly basis a column for the Sunday paper. And I did that for seven years. Wow. And, you know, I shared it as though I were having a conversation with you at the grocery store. 
And, you know, each month I would tell people what was going on. Um, and I think that was kind of a thing that it was that I'm just like everyone else. You right. Know, and I think you had a track record of success to, yeah. to, to back you up the entire way. Oh, I, you know, I'll tell you every day of the week, we turned Belmont County around. You know, when I went into office in 2009, I mean, this was the state was going into the, the nation was going into a recession. Mm -hmm. uh, Belmont County was a little worse off than everyone else because the Highlands. Um, Absolutely. You know, tremendously Absolutely. successful. And we lost a couple of the stores out of the Ohio Valley Mall. And to most people, that was JCPenney's moving across the river, you know, beautiful new establishment. You know, mm -hmm. um, I've always said Greg Stewart did a fabulous job with that. But what it meant to us as commissioners and running Belmont County is it took a million dollars of sales tax out of our coffers. And, you know, small rural counties, you know, live and die on their retail tax. Right. And that really hurt. And so we were faced with a, you know, 25% budget cut when I went into office. And the Ohio Valley Mall was dying. And when I left, the Ohio Valley Mall was at 97% occupancy rate. You know, we had grown the county. We had turned it around. We were, you know, buzzing with oil and gas activity. We'd had enormous growth. And things were really good. That's so, funny with the mall because I think back to the time where, yeah, you guys did grow it. And I know there's ebbs and flows of business and malls in general are, mm -hmm. are struggling, retail struggling. But it seems like there, there's a downfall again. Mm -hmm. Now, I know the guys in office are trying to do what you can. But like I said, retail is dying. And mm -hmm. is there a will there come a point where malls will just have to shut? And what, what do you think that would do to Belmont County? It would really hurt Belmont County. I think right now you're seeing that transpire again, though. Um, the Kafaras, they're, they're ingenious. They really are. And I don't know if many people know this, but they own malls across the country. And they actually um, are tearing down the Kmart building and they're putting a Hampton in there. Mm -hmm. And and so it's like a multi-use kind of thing. So you're seeing some of those places within the mall not necessarily be used for retail or food, but they're they're finding new uses. And so when you attach a mall, you have people who are staying there that are utilizing. They'll go in and eat. Absolutely. Shop. Sure, sure. And veteran services are moving to the mall. I would say so senior services, that. Yeah. things like that. So I think as long as you're willing to reinvent yourself, I don't ever see that mall not being there. You there'll know, be something there. There'll whatever. be something there. Jenny, they say if you don't pay attention to history, then you're prone to repeat yourself. I, I know that you and I are both very, very much uh, in love with the history of our community. And I know that as county commissioner, um, you took it upon yourself to keep a piece of history alive. And that was really where I first started working with you because um, you were working with Project Best, OVCEC, on projects. And I came in uh, contact with you first through Project Best and OVCEC. One of the things I did, I was asked to come and photograph the... Um, the beautiful building beside the the courthouse, the uh, historical sheriff's, sheriff's residence, residence museum. It's a museum now. Yes, it is. When I saw that, when you first took me through that, the place was horrid. I was afraid to breathe. It looked like this was just ready to collapse. Tell us a little bit about what the building was and why did you get involved and what did you accomplish? Oh, my goodness gracious. I, you know, I think I consider myself a preservationist at heart. I do mm -hmm. love history. Uh, that building is beautiful and it's a part of history. And, you know, it's we in this area, I think that's one of the natural resources that we have. Uh, and there are statistics that show, you know, economic development can be driven by people who are looking at history and willing to travel. And I'd actually been involved with that project with uh, the, as a city of St. Clairsville council person, mm -hmm. because it was part of our landscape. And it, in history, in the state of Ohio, 
once upon a time, sheriffs were required to live on the premises and they were expected to live there and raise their families there. And with the know, jail cells right next door. Uh, attached. Attached. Yeah, <laughs> attached. Attached to it. And, you know, that's part of our history. And yeah. when you tear that down and it goes away, how sad, you know, and, and it was a beautiful building. I've always said it was a woman. It had to be to be able to stand around that long <laughs> and still look good. But um, Dave um, Mertz from Belmont College, mm. um, he was uh, really involved with the city council and we kind of approached that and we actually completely restored that project, best project that year. Yes. I think that was 2012. And we wanted to utilize it as something that would um, honor our past. And so we made it the museum so that it could be open to the public. And we utilized each room to showcase a different community within the, the county. And it's really neat if you've had an opportunity to go through it. Each room has, you know, a different setup. Holloway is one of my favorites, mm -hmm. you know, because it was one of the booming areas once upon a time. And it's this little tiny quaint area of Belmont County. A lot of people have not gone to, but it's neat, you know, and it's, it's history. Were you also, weren't you instrumental in the, um, the renovation of the courtroom in the Belmont County? Was yeah. that during your tenure? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that building in general is quite a, a, a gem for, for the community. But the courtroom got to be kind of dilapidated over the years. It did. And I think that, again, when you're running uh, municipal government or county government, you have to be careful where you place your dollars. Uh, but you also have to have, you know, your own commitment to, to things that you want to see transpire. Sadly enough, um, Judge Sullivan, salt of the earth, a mm -hmm. wonderful man, um, tried the case of the police officer from Martin's Ferry. Oh, yes, yes. Um, you know, high profile, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, mm -hmm. Matthew Broderick. And so we had people in the courthouse from New York City, from Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. And I ran across an article one day uh, out of um, an out of town newspaper and they criticized the courtroom and, and I thought it um, tarnished yeah, certainly. Mr. Sullivan. You know, the opportunity Sullivan's, you have too to showcase yourself to the know, country. This man who upheld the law, who spent his life as a judge, he was um, Northern District Court Judge before he became the Common Police Court Judge. To have tarnished that man's reputation because we had orange carpet, you know, it it's really bothered outdated. me. And and I said to him, you know, I, I, we want to fix this. This isn't a right. And we actually restored it. And quite he didn't want it new. It's restored. Yeah. It is beautiful. And yeah. it, again, was a Project Best uh, award-winning project that year with JD&E actually doing the work for me. JD&E made that building, made mm -hmm. that courtroom look every bit as splendid as it did, I imagine, the day they, they first opened it up for, for cases. Also, Jenny, you, you came to Wheelhouse with a, a cause for the High County School Bond. And a lot of people probably would wonder, why would Project Best get involved with a bond for a, a, a School. Why? I mean, how much, how much money was that? Didn't you guys remember? I keep wanting to say twenty million, but I know that's not right. That's that was my levy. So forty. 40 yeah, I'll say it was. I'm saying it was yeah around forty. It was a, a very big levy that people did not think would get beat or would did not think would get passed. And you came to us and asked us for help. Why would Project Best get involved in something like that? Well, I think I missed um, when you asked me earlier to describe both of them. I did not uh, elaborate on Project Best. Project Best is a labor management organization, also a 501c6. Uh, and the way that it is funded, as is my OVCEC, is that through the collective bargaining agreement within that, uh, that document, there's a portion that goes um, through every paycheck to Project Best and to OVCEC. So we, that we collect our dollars 
from work that is done. So when you hire a local contractor and they utilize local labor, money goes into this pot. And we use that money to promote the construction industry. And we use it um, because, as you know, Ty, municipal government public cannot use any government dollars for any type of campaigning. And so we offer to pay for campaigns uh, with the understanding that the entity will sign something called responsible contracting bid criteria. It doesn't guarantee us the work, but it gives us a better opportunity to acquire the work. So we invest our dollars into helping a campaign pass. And if it does, then we have the opportunity of acquiring more work. And, and it's kind of one of those beautiful systems because if you if we pass a levy and we get the work, more work is generated. It goes back into the pot. Our, our workers obviously are local. They spend their money here. They buy their groceries here. They, they invest their money in the banks. So when you say we, the we happens to be us, the people Absolutely. who work here, the tradespeople of the community. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Ohio County school bond, you know, a lot of our, our labor guys, their kids go to that school. Absolutely. They, you know, they drop them off, they pick them up. So, you know, we want to invest in that because we obviously benefit from it. But then again, we invest in something else and we benefit from that. It's kind of old school, you know, but at the same time, they're also proud of their work. They're proud of their work and they want to, you know, they want to be involved in things that they, they do that affect themselves. We talk about the construction industry, and I always utilize this, that we build the hospitals that your children are born in. We build the churches that you worship in. We build the schools the that roads. you educate and the roads that you Bridges. drive on. And, and I think that most people don't really think about the construction industry. And then you go, wow, you know, it's a part of our community. When you think about the, the schools, when you think about anything that's, that you see, anything solid, whether it's a bridge or a roadway or a, a house or a building, it was built by tradespeople. Yet our society for the last maybe 30 years, has, they, they've, they've pretty much been dissuading people from going into the trades and telling everybody you need a four-year degree. Once you have your four-year degree, you're going to have to go in uh, to graduate program. You're going to have to get a master's. I don't think any of us are in any way saying don't go to college. But um, there's more and more awareness of uh, the benefit of the trades. And I know that's something that's very near and dear to your heart. Um, Tell us a little bit about the trades. Why would a a mother or a father encourage their children to look into the trades instead of getting a four-year journalism degree? Well, I don't know that it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. I think my approach has always been that regardless of what you choose to do in life, you have, you deserve an ability to put dinner on the table, you know, an ability to to make a living. Unfortunately, I think society is kind of frowned upon working with our hands, you know, and, and it's sad. And I have two kids in college, you know, and I'm all about being educated and we have guys in labor that that have college degrees, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's not one or the other, but right now I think we're faced with the cost of education is astronomical. When I went to Ohio State, you could work at night and put yourself through school. You mm-hmm. can't do that anymore. Now you're going to have a student You just can't. And you can't be a struggling parent and, and put yourself through school. And so the opportunity is you can still make a living. And with the apprenticeship programs, you know, we talk about earning while you learn. When you go into an apprenticeship program, you are put to work and you work on a site and you are earning a paycheck and you are learning in the classroom throughout that period of time. So most of them are four to five years, you know, and it's ability to have a paycheck. It's an ability to have health insurance. You have a Absolutely. pension, you know, and, and it's a good way of life. You and know? that's still four to five years of, of an education process. Yes. It's not like you just no. work and it's earn while you learn, right? Earn while you exactly. learn. Exactly. 
<clears throat> and, and it's a good living. And you have an ability to do something that makes a difference. I think for me, about six months into this position at, at the helm of OVCEC, you know, for years, I worked on a, um, a project in St. Clairsville, starting when I was a councilwoman, uh, still working on it when I left the commission. Bob Nay, actually former, former Congressman Bob Nay, had left an earmark for an interchange project that would oh, open yes. up the Ohio Valley Mall. Uh, the problem with it is was left $6.9 million for a $48 million project. And that's when the government kind of tanked and they cut all earmarks. And we had been working on that, spent years retooling it and actually redesigned it. So it just is an overpass. And I was driving home one night and I'd worked on that for years. And as a county commissioner, you know, you talk about, you know, we create economic development. We did this, we did this. And I'm driving home one night and it's being built. And I look over and I see Shelly and Zan's trucks. It's one of our members. Mm -hmm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. As a county commissioner, you know, as a government official, you participate in it. But the real economic development, the bricks and mortar that actually builds the communities or builds these businesses, it's done by the construction companies. Absolutely. And I was like, wow. And so we've approached it when I took over and, and switched gears with both Project Best and the OVCEC is that, that construction the construction industry is economic development. Right. You talked about 30 years ago, that change. Now, my I'm 31. My entire life, um, like backtracking, one side of my family, first responders, the other side are union laborers, right? So mm -hmm. I, I've seen both sides of that. My entire life, I'm 31. I was told you're going to get a, you're going to college. Period. That was the only option. Now, option. Do, you, do you guys remember that transition whatsoever? I mean, I remember it very, very clearly. It was it was brought to our attention that all um, all manufacturing jobs were going to be going overseas. And we were led to believe that we were going to be a society of technology. So uh, I think that was happening pretty much in the Clinton years. They were saying the world's changing. So we watched our jobs leave. Uh, Billy Joe had the song that said, you know, we're the first generation uh, that we were promised to get us at least as far as our, our old man got. We no longer had that promise. Right. We suddenly were told, even if you want to work at a, a fast food chain, you have to have a four year degree. And if you don't, you don't stand a chance. And Jenny, you're not as old as I am, but I imagine you re you remember some of that yourself. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember those conversations with manufacturing leaving the nation and they left. They left. And it affected us immensely. And, and now we're here, you know, in 2019, and we're talking about um, the United States becoming a manufacturing nation again, because we've been a service industry service, nation for the last 20 years. Uh, a lot of that's based upon, you know, oil and gas, and especially here in the Ohio Valley. We've been talking about this uh, PTT ethane cracker coming Absolutely, to Belmont yes. County now for goodness gracious, what, seven, eight years? At least. You know, and the two <clears throat> things about that. One, it's going to be constructed by union labor. Yes, there was a, an, an NCA agreement signed about four years ago that will be done by union labor. Uh, so, again, union labor will transform this valley because we've been talking for years that the transformation that will come from the construction of that and the downstream manufacturing opportunities. But the second thing of it is, is that what the ethane cracker will do is produce a plastic pellet the plastic pellet will be utilized by other manufacturing companies to make things, you know, plastic uh, containers. Plastic Even here in the High Valley, Eagle Manufacturing, that's they're the getting plan the plastic. And that's the hope. And we mm -hmm. talk about downstream manufacturing. That's what you want. You want those 
to be near that plant. Um, and, and ideally, business-wise, logistics are always one of your overhead costs. And if you can build it here and the products right here, you're yes, going to cut down on your certainly. logistics. And the beauty of the Ohio Valley is that we have, you know, I know everyone's heard this river rail and, you know, and we are close to, you know, two different international airports. And so it's perfect. But again, we are faced with becoming a manufacturing nation. And guess what we need now? Workforce. We, exactly. We chased them out 30 years ago. And now we, finding our, we are finding ourselves with the fact that we don't have enough. So everybody's complaining. They're wanting to know why all these workers coming in for the gas and oil industry are coming from Oklahoma and Texas. And why are they not local? Well, I, I think we were overwhelmed. We certainly didn't have enough pipe fitters. We didn't have enough operators. But you're changing that. Your, your organizations, your apprentice programs, apprenticeship programs are training people to do it. With, with the, the traditional education, we're accustomed to, uh, we know we have four colleges, universities in our area. We know who they are. We know who the, the leaders in the state are. So you hear about them. How, how does somebody even know where to train, where to go for an apprenticeship program? I mean, do you do you leave? Do you have to go to Columbus to become oh, no. this? We have all of our own here in in the valley, you know. So, uh, you know, my the first and foremost uh, pipe fitters are downtown Wheeling, and iron workers are downtown Wheeling, you know. And they can go to projectbest.com um, and go. log on there, and and they can go directly to any of the different apprenticeship programs that they're interested in. Uh, when I talk about construction trades, we're talking, you know, specifically about pipe fitters and plumbers. We're talking about sheet metal workers, iron workers, bricklayers, carpenters, you know, cement masons. You know, we do the construction trades. And if I understand correctly, you currently at Project Best have an app and people can download that app from the app store. It is in a product progress. It oh, it's not, not out there yet. yet. So no. it's a, it's, no. it's but going we do to have be a website. There. Yes. Mm -hmm. So hit the website yes. soon. The app will be out and it'll be easier than ever to find out how you can further yourself along the line of a career in the trades. Yes, and we're actively engaged with all of the area schools. I think I've seen um, a transformation in the past year or two with the schools. I mean, they have embraced the fact that uh, not that there needs to be other opportunities presented to the kids. Now, was that something you started or was that already in place? I think it was probably already seen? started. I mean, two-year <clears throat> institutions started this a while back. Mm -hmm. They started becoming more and more involved with the trades. Um, I, I think West Virginia Northern played a very powerful role early on in training people. Actually, when the casino brought in yeah, table, table gaming, gaming they, right. they trained people to do that. What about high schools? Is that something? Because I don't remember ever, but maybe that's something I wasn't interested in. I wasn't paying attention. I, I was probably the last group uh, in like the early 80s where you could actually come out of high school trained to be um, a welder. I mean, not not a trades quality, but you, you could get a job as a mechanic. You could have learned auto mechanics. And though they've kept those programs, they 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 no longer were the four hour blocks. Are they four hour blocks now, or I is think that most schools have actually done away with those? Done I mean, away we with. We don't have wow. home ec anymore. We remember that home ec. We don't, home ec. Not, we just said earlier: should children learn how at school? Should they learn how to raise their own food? Yeah. Well, if you want to be honest, we don't learn food. any life skills no. in school. Not how to balance a book. A lot no. of people don't understand how government works. A basic civics class. We don't have home ec. We don't have shop. I mean. A, no, I, I mean the thing of it is, is that's that was one of the first to go. Is shop programs were cut. Now, you know, Brook Brook uh, School has a great program. Marshall County Schools has a great program. Uh, Switzerland of Ohio, you know, they've been um, investing in their program because they get it. And Wheeling Park High School. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Jenny, not only are you promoting the trades and construction in general, but uh, you and Benji with Project Best have um, made it a point uh, that that you're going to recognize. Um, 
those people who are doing exceptional work, those companies who are doing exceptional work, those individuals, whether they are strictly in the construction or in some cases just supporting the construction construction industry. So you, if I understand correctly, have a program coming up for your members that you're calling the Project Best Award of Excellence. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's the it's exciting. Uh, we kind of took a long, hard look at at what we were doing, and and I talk about it being everything attached. You know, so we have this amazing industry that I think most people don't get, don't understand the magnitude of it, and then we have workforce issues. And you know, how do we convince these kids, you know, instead of going to college, to to invest their lives in this? And it's by showing the importance of the work that they would do. Everybody wants to be able to do something yes. and go home at night and be proud of what they. Do did for eight hours. And so in, in holding up this industry in portraying, you know, a general contractor of the year or a craftsman of the year, we're giving it some, um, magnitude and importance and we're showing it and kind of showing it off and, and explaining things. And so that we're honoring the, the construction industry, but at the same time, we're also showing to this, you know, this huge population of kids, yes. you know, this is something major neat. accomplishments. Yeah. And these are businessmen. You know, we, the thing of it is it's perspective. Uh, one of the things that I have trouble with is you talk about going into apprenticeship. So you talk about being a pipe fitter, but they don't realize that they go and work for the contractor, you know? So when we bring everything together, um, I think it kind of shows that. So you're a carpenter, uh, and you're working for JD&E. You know, you're an iron worker, but you're working for uh, Calcruth Roofing or Calcruth uh, East Coast Metal Systems. So you're out of a local, but you're still working with these these local companies. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of working with local companies, um, there's time that you have to get your message out. There's times that you have to let people know what's going on. And I'm very pleased to say that one of the companies you've hired uh, has been Wheelhouse Creative. Now, I will also point out that I'd like to have all your business, but fair is fair, and you have other members, you have other people you have to deal with, you have a whole community to represent. But um, what brought you to Wheelhouse? What do you? What have we done for you, and and have you liked it? And please say yes. <laughs> I think the answer would be you. We've known each other for a while. Um, we both tend to um, have um, almost a romantic view of things. I find the value of the trades and labor to be something historically that's always been very important. And I think you get that. We talk about industrialization of America. We talk about, you know, this country, you know, building itself. And, and labor was a part of that. Um, I appreciate unionized labor because I understand history. Mm -hmm. When people start, you know, I guess in essence, bad mouthing unions, I always say, do you understand history? Do you understand what a sweatshop is? Do you understand what Why, child you know, labor is? Do you understand right? the exactly. blood that was, you know, Exactly. Especially in West um, Virginia. Yeah. But it, but there was, a, there was a need. And I mean, people deserve a right to work and, and an ability to make a decent wage and, and to have those things and to have safety and security in their jobs. So unions aren't always terrible and bad because it's really just a legal state of employment, you know, and, and giving the employees rights. And, and so being a political science major and, and a historian, I get that. And, and trying to share that message, you were the right person to help me share that message. And we talk a lot, you know that. And, and then we get to what we want to portray. One of the last videos that you did was the beautiful Auric building. And you put um, the workers kind of transparent within the building. And, and the overture was romance. And that was so amazing to me because you came and said, 
I need a video, but I need to, to show the romance of the industry. And when we first heard that, I think everybody's eyes rolled except mine because I'm thinking, oh, I get that. I think most people would go to it's always going to be dirty hands. And yeah, dirty yeah, right. sure. It, it's, how do you romanticize that? You know, yeah, and it's, it's we built this city. Absolutely. But it's important to, to, to connect those two things. When you're in the construction trades, you're building something. And, you know, once upon a time when we grew up, what you did for a living mattered. Absolutely. You know, and, and where you spend your time. And when you walk away from something, if you're ever around both the contractors in labor and they say, we built that, we did that. There's pride in that. Definite pride. And I love that. I love sharing that. And the other thing was is, you know, and I'm always surprised by this because we're now on our second year of the Under Construction Magazine. And I came to We've you. very proud to be a part of that. With that. And in this day and age, Ty, I mean, you're the, you know, you're the digital guru. Who would have thought, you know, in this day and age when you can look up anything on Google, that a magazine, you know, paper in the mail could be that well received. And it has been a tremendous piece of communication for the OVCEC. And, you know, that wouldn't have happened without Wheelhouse. Well, we're glad you're here. Jenny, I'd like to point out, you are actually our first guest. Our podcast is relatively new here at Wheelhouse Creative. You're our first guest, and I would like to point out that that was not by accident. I will go so far as to say that this is the month of March, which is known as um, International International Women's Month. So you are one of the strongest women I know. I, I think people like you and Kim Miller, uh, are are not only strong women, but you're definitely leaders in our community. So we are honored to have you on that behalf. Also, as a client, we're thrilled to have you. And uh, just based on what you're doing for the community, what Project Best OVC, EC, and and you and your 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 co-chair Benny, Benji Swanson, what you're doing for the community, kudos and thank you. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you thank for having you. me.